0: mm okay. Sex and the City fan or you grew up watching it or you've watched it three times, especially when you need a girl's night in by yourself, then you need to listen to this episode. So I'm going to be kind of talking through this series and obviously it is a huge series. So I've, I'm denied of how to do this for quite a while. Do I go through every character? Do I go through each season? And it's like, I want to just talk about it generally because I think there's a lot of reoccurring themes in Sex and the City, um, and it's one of those shows where it's a chick flick. Like not that much is going on. Do you know what I mean? It's not like what with that, like that Sex Life series that I did. There was a lot going on in each episode, and it was short, <laughs> much easier to do. So I'm going to be talking about Sex and the City today, kind of generally, and I will go through each character. The main thing that I want you guys to take away from today's episode is two things. One, I am not bashing. Sex in the City. I fucking love Sex in the City, and I hate that every single TV show these days and movie is like, it's like watching the news. We're not allowed to just have fun, we're not allowed to escape. I was watching the Santa Claus um, show on like Disney. Well, um, you guys know I'm Christmas obsessed around Christmas time. And I was appalled at how politically correct it had to be. So this time it's like, and I won, I will say I do love across the board um, and I think everyone would, would hopefully agree on this one. I would hope. I do love across the board. We're seeing it, you know, we've seen it in White Lotus. It was in the Santa Claus movie, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot more multiculturalism in shows and it feels more realistic that way. And I love seeing different cultures. Like I love how in the new Emily in Paris and in White Lotus, how there are true French people, true Italian people, and they speak Italian and they speak French when they're speaking to each other, just like they would in real life. Like a French person speaking to a French person wouldn't necessarily speak English to each other. They would speak French. And in the latest season of Emily in Paris, they spoke French a lot more than in the previous two seasons. So I do love those kind of things. What I don't love is that I don't love how every line and every sentence has to be so perfectly curated to ensure that we aren't upsetting anyone. The reality is, and I said this before, I'm going to say it again, is if you are trying to live your life in a way where you will upset no one, you ain't going to please anybody. If you are a business owner and you are spending all of your fucking energy making sure that everybody likes you, you aren't going to stand out. Polarizing content is good because the reality is, is that we are tribal human beings. We do like people that are similar to us. There isn't anything wrong with that. That is a human trait. We like people that follow the same sports as us. We like people... That, you know, we, we vibe with people that went to the same schools as us. We feel connected to people that do similar jobs to us. It doesn't mean that we don't like people that aren't, that aren't similar to us. That's not what it means. It means that naturally there is a fundamental piece of our biology where we are attracted to similar people. Nothing wrong with that. And, you know, in the latest Santa Claus, what did he said? He said something like, you know, um, the naughty kids get cold. And that's just part of the story. Why do we have to change that? Well, apparently we have to change it now. And one of the elves was like, well, that's discriminatory or something or other. Um, because, or like, that's up to interpretation of who's naughty, who's nice. I can't remember what it was. It was the most ridiculous, absurd thing. And then Santa was like, wait, what? And then he, he said something about like, well, this kid's disruptive in the classroom. And then the elf was like, well, that's just a symptom of ADHD. That's discriminatory. If he then gets cold. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my god. At the end of the day, society does function when there is some element of rules. And if children think that they can behave however they want and that Santa still comes, it, it kind of loses that little bit the parents can lean on of like Santa's not going to come if you're naughty. And that to me doesn't that to me, I grew up with that. That that isn't traumatizing. That isn't bad in my in my perspective for a child, for a parent to say to a child, if you're naughty, like Sarah, Santa's not going to come. Because, and of course you could do that and you'd be like, oh, well, that's manipula- like manipulation, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, if you perceive everything as manipulation, then you're going to see everything as manipulation. You would say that what I just said is manipulation. Well, where I think it kind of goes wrong is that we just, we lose the element of life. We just lose the element of fantasy and fun and cheekiness and playfulness sometimes because we're all so serious and afraid of being told that we're wrong. Anyway, point being is that I hated the new sex in the city because it lost the charm, it lost the charm of just four women complaining about men, having a lot of sex and living their best life in New York. And, you know, so he, anyway, point being is that number one, I'm not here to slam Sex in the City because I love Sex in the City. And I love that it's just a fun chick flick escape. The second point is, is that I do want to point out that for a lot of us, if you're watching it, if, watch, if you watch the whole Sex in the City, right? And especially when you watched it when you were younger, it does influence the way that you see dating in men. And I don't think that that is helpful when it is this constant repetition of men are bad, men are dickheads, blah, 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 blah. So there are very negative things in sex and the city. I think we can all agree. And I also want to let you guys know there's nothing wrong with wanting to just binge on a somewhat politically incorrect TV show and I tell you what, if they made that right now, it would not go down well, which kind of makes me sad that we can't just sometimes have a TV show that's just an escape from reality. But anyway, that's not the fucking point. So I want to go through the different characters a little bit because um, I kind of go through their pros and cons, especially Carrie and Big. Because watching Carrie and Big and their tumultuous relationship, to say the least, it does give us this idea for a lot of people that love... Is meant to be up and down. That love is something worth fighting for. That if you have fights and betrayals, and it's you know you're in love, and then you break up, it's like well they keep coming together, so they're meant to be together. It's like or it's a trauma bond. Like yeah, maybe Carrie and Big are meant to be together, or it's a trauma bond. I will say, obviously in the latest Sex in the City, what was it called? And just like that, or whatever it was. Um, they seemed a lot more stable. So maybe they'd both work through some shit and he'd work through his shit and she'd work through his shit. But I'll tell you what, we're, we're not talking about the just like that series. We're talking about the original sex and the city series. They were not meant to be together. Like it was a trauma bond from the get go. And what, what I found really interesting is that in season one, she says she's together, Carrie around big, in season one that she says that, she says that that's not like her. She's not like herself around him. She's together around him. And we know that Carrie is free spirited and crazy and a bit, you know, just loopy and all the fun things, all of that kind of wild feminine, definitely a bit of wounded feminine there, et cetera, et cetera. But she's together Carrie around him and that she's not like herself. I mean, that is red flag. Number one, if you are not like yourself around somebody like problem, You want to be the most real version around yourself, uh, sorry, around your partner. Like there is nothing that you are hiding. There is nothing that you are changing about your personality when you are with your partner. That is a good sign. Second thing, Carrie lets big have way too many tries and she doesn't have integrity within herself. She lacks integrity within herself. She lacks boundaries. She lacks queen energy. You know, she'll leave a party because she's pissed off by him sleeping with another woman, which is just like, that's not reason to then stay with him. That's reason to like, be like, oh my God, this is the sign. He's not the guy that I want to be with. But her low self-worth means that she calls him two hours later saying how she's with another man. And then like to try and make him jealous and then tells him to meet her. No, 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 no. If a guy, if the guy, especially a mature man is presenting a lack of consistency, a lack of integrity and is just kind of playing the field and you want a relationship, the two of you are not a match because he doesn't want a relationship. You want a relationship. Two failed marriages and fucking around probably makes you make, should make you raise an eyebrow. And it doesn't mean that having a failed, failed marriage means that everyone needs to raise an eyebrow at you. It means uh, for a young man, two failed marriages and still behaving like this means that maybe he is the issue for the failed marriages. Maybe the woman wasn't the issue. Maybe it was him. And that's a hard thing to admit to yourself that maybe I'm the issue. Maybe it's not them. And that doesn't mean that you always need to blame yourself. but that's also detrimental. So don't always blame yourself in relationships by any means, but also make sure that you're taking self-responsibility. We also know that Carrie's lack of self-respect, self-love, et cetera, is demonstrated in the way that he provides a lack of security and protection for her, yet she keeps seeing him. So what's really funny that is displayed by a lot of the Sex and the City characters is that they complain about certain things with men like lack of protection, lack of consistency, lack of integrity, et cetera, et cetera, yet they keep entertaining it. If we look at the characters, I would say the ones that have, they all are very different characters, right? And they all kind of have their own shit they're dealing with. I would say personally that Charlotte seems like the most self-aware and healed out of any of the characters by the way that she shows up in relationships. Yes, she often like falls a bit head over heels in the, like too quickly, but is that really a bad thing all the time? No, and yes she gets hurt, but at the end of the day she ends up with the right man and she doesn't end up settling. That's the most important thing. And she stays open in terms of the guys that she's dating. And she continues to hold the faith that she's going to find her man, which I love. I, I love that. And I think that's a really healthy thing to portray. And it obviously depends the way in which you're watching Sex and the City. If you Google Sex and the City and like it's bad traits, depending who's writing the article, obviously, you're going to get very different views on you know each of the different characters. Miranda, well, she's so in her masculine, has such a masculine armor around her and never wants to get hurt. She wants to be in control. She cannot let go. She cannot be in her feminine. And then, and you know what? I actually didn't like how they, I didn't agree with the twist of making Miranda a lesbian because I almost made it, it almost, I think was kind of not detrimental. What's the word? Um, It kind of put a bad taste in my mouth because of who her character was. And it was almost like, oh, so women that are, you know, super independent and um, have this masculine armor, are they just a lesbian? No, they could just have trauma and not feel safe to be in their feminine. And so where, like, why I didn't like that was I was like, mm, is this going to then make women feel like, well, they can't ever meet a masculine man if they are heavily masculine? Like, what if a show showed, like, what if a show, what if a show demonstrated that actually a really masculine woman could heal, embrace her feminine, portray that story on the TV and then end up with the man of her dreams. Like that to me would be amazing because what's interesting is that in the first, you know, um I was going to say the first chunk of sex in the city, like the original sex in the city there was constantly the story being played with Miranda of like, she's misindependent. She's this woman that's killing it in her career and no man was ever good enough for her. So for a lot of women, it portrayed the story of like an independent woman can't have it all. It's like career or its relationship. It's not both because then even when she was with um Steve, she then had to give up her career to be a mom and be a wife. And it's like, that's not the story that you want to be portraying to women. Right. So it was, it's funny how it's like one or the other, but what if it was both? So I didn't really like how they changed her character to all of a sudden become a lesbian because I was like, well, this could also like, like, if we really want to get politically correct with everything, this could also be betraying a bad message. That's why it's like, no matter the like whatever way you look at it, you're going to find the point that you want to pick at, but I kind of want to go, I really want to like focus on what is very obvious from each of these characters. So Miranda, it's like this heavy masculine armor. Samantha with her character, she, to me, I fucking love her character. She really owns herself. I will say that my question is always like, is the confidence true or is it because she's so afraid of getting hurt and she's so afraid of opening her heart? So that's always kind of the thought that was in my head with, with Samantha of who is her character really? Is it? And we know that she's afraid of opening her heart because when she gets into relationships, we see that. But I also will say that I do love that she fully owns and claims who she is and the woman that she is, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So the next red flag that I want to bring up for a discussion point is big introduces his mother to carry as a friend. Bye-bye i <laughs> Bye bye, like they were not friends. They were more than friends. So it's this. What's so interesting is that there were so many signs given to Carrie from Big's behavior and lack of behavior, and the way in which Big interacted with her. But she didn't want to see it. And that whole question that so many of us feel of like, why do I keep running back to him? One, you're probably seeing. You're probably not letting. You, you're probably not letting yourself see things, or you're probably seeing what you want to see and not seeing what you don't want to see. Number one, and the number. Two, for so many of us, we get this high of wanting to prove ourselves wrong. So Big doesn't want you. No, he does. I'm gonna prove to him that our that like I'm gonna prove to myself that I am wanted. I'm gonna prove to myself that he wants me. I'm going to get this man that I have an attraction to. That need is from a need of validation and a need to feel like your wound of abandonment is not real. So when you're abandoned as a child, so we can assume, let's say that Carrie was abandoned in some way, shape or form when she was a kid, whether it was by, you know, emotional abandonment, or whether it's physical abandonment, we don't know, but there's some sense of abandonment. So she spends her life proving to herself that she isn't going to get abandoned. So what happens is, is that we will, instead of putting ourselves in healthy situations where we're not going to get abandoned, that's too easy. We will put ourselves in a fight that feels hard so that we can prove to ourselves, see, even when it looks like I'm going to get abandoned, I win and I don't get abandoned. So when Carrie is with, um, oh my God, what is Carrie's other guy? Aiden. Aiden's his name. So when she was with Aiden, like he was perfect, but it was boring. It wasn't activating this. See, I'm gonna prove to myself that I'm not gonna be abandoned. He wouldn't have abandoned her. But she even admitted, like, it's so boring. I'm used to the hunt. She literally said, I'm used to the hunt, or I'm used to I'm used to the chase. I like the hunt. I like the chase. What she likes in that is she likes the adrenaline. She likes the dopamine hit, and she likes to prove to herself that she's not going to be abandoned. So why this is detrimental is that what we see is like this perfect guy, Aiden, it's like, oh, he's boring. Ew. But big is sexy and he's rich and he drives a nice car, et cetera, et cetera. And even though he's putting Carrie on this roller coaster, because we all see Carrie as a main character, we then kind of idolize this relationship and it ends up working out. So because it ends up working out, what we then see is like, okay, that fight is worth it because it's going to end up working out. My question is, I don't think it's worth it. One, it didn't end up working out. Like on their fucking wedding day, not about his death. Don't look, I'm not talking about the first season. Sorry, the latest season, like the the new, just like that one. On their wedding day, he essentially left her. On their wedding day. I mean, that was clearly the breaking point. If you listened to last week's episode about the narcissist, that was clearly the breaking point. But like the point is, is she keeps running back to him because of that high that she gets. The lows are so low for her that when that, when she feels that high, she remembers that high. Like I was talking about last week, she remembers that high and that's what she ends up focusing on. Even though there is so much bad, her brain focuses on the good and remembers the good because of how good it feels, but all it is, is an adrenaline release and a dopamine release and oxytocin release and a serotonin release of when they are together. And that wipes out all of the bad memories. So we don't know Carrie's childhood trauma, obviously, but we can assume possibly emotionally unavailable father or mother. So she's trying to prove that she can have someone that is actually emotionally MIA. She wants someone that's actually emotionally MIA to love her. So she's trying to prove that to herself. If we go to Big, Big isn't even fucking sure of himself. He is, he clearly, you know, is a very wounded man. It's pretty clear at the start of the series that he has no integrity. He gaslights Carrie sometimes. He'll always cancel the lack of consistency. And then, of course, what we see is we see Carrie's nervous system freaking the fuck out. And in my experience, even as the viewer, I get really frustrated by it. It's like, for fuck's sake, Carrie, just go and date a good guy. And, you know, her friends tell her, everybody tells her. But this is the thing it doesn't matter how many times someone is going to tell you, you need to stop dating this dude. You will only stop doing it when you realize it. It's up to you. Like, it doesn't matter how many episodes of mine you listen to, you're going to get to the point on your own time, in your own journey. And as much as that's going, as as much as that is going to suck, honestly, I believe that it has to happen on your own journey, in your own time, because otherwise, it won't stick. It doesn't matter how much someone's going to tell you, it won't fucking stick. For a lot of people, we kind of have to hit rock bottom in one way, shape, or form in some areas of life to actually do something about it. Okay. So if we go to Amanda, Amanda, Miranda, Miranda will not change for herself, which I love, but she emasculates everyone, including women. You can almost see her masculine armor around her. And then she ends up getting a pretty passive man that inevitably she isn't happy with. It doesn't mean that she doesn't love Steve, but it turns. but the whole thing turns out where the desire, the turn on, the polarity, it isn't there. She gets really, really unhappy and really bored because she feels like she is mothering him all the time. We see that mother son relationship with Miranda and Steve further on in the show. Miranda also kind of teaches us this whole thing of don't expect too much. So, Miranda, as I said before, she is the most. Invested in her career, and the most, let's say, like independent woman, quote unquote, like in terms of that archetype, she really embodies that. You know, Samantha is obviously very um, successful in her career, carries as well. Charlotte is as well, but in terms of the portrayal, Miranda, her character, it is the most heavily portrayed that she is the most invested in her career. So yes, she ends up with Steve, but Steve is very threatened by Miranda earning more, which is the case obviously for a lot of women and it moves him to anger. And she becomes resentful. What happens though, is that there is so much emasculation from Miranda. That's what causes the anger on his end. And her unhappiness is caused because there's a lack of polarity in the relationship. You know, He's finally the only man that's actually fully accepting Miranda and showing up for her and et cetera, et cetera. So she loves that. But because she can't get into her feminine, it fucks the success of the relationship. So this happens for a lot of women, right? They are very in their masculine and they meet this amazing man who's incredible. And they, the woman ends up fucking it up because she can't be in her feminine. So he ends up getting really angry. She becomes resentful. And then this whole situation happens the whole, you know, what I, what I don't love about, um, what happens to Miranda in the way that it's portrayed in sex and city is that it's portrayed that she can't have it all. So she has to give up some of her career to, Move to Brooklyn to change your whole life, to be a wife and a mother and have a little bit of career and the, a career, her career. And the worst bit is that she loses herself in it because she doesn't learn how to balance the two. Her career is everything to her. Her career is, you know, her, her sense of self. And it doesn't mean that's wrong by any means, because as I said before, like everyone's different and you can't, you don't need to be just a mom or just a career woman, or you don't necessarily need to be able to do both, but you need to do what makes her happy. And what we see is that she does a lot for Steve out of like frustration and resentment, anger, etc. Like their relationship is not the healthiest. It's, I mean, it's not carrying big, it's a different kind of relationship, but the lack of polarity and the lack of like... Desire-based communication it shows in their relationship. Then Steve cheats, well, in the movie, and blames Miranda. And again, this kind of hones in on the fact that Miranda should compromise and like it's Miranda's fault. Now, obviously, they weren't having sex forever because she's exhausted, etc., etc., etc. So I see Steve's point and I also see Miranda's point of like, why is it my fault? Again, it comes back to when there is this, you know, overarching emphasis on career and there is a lack of balance and there's a lack of feminine leadership in women. These are where the problems occur. This is why I'm creating this new program, which I'm very excited for called her. And it is, I actually decided to do it and wrote the whole program out um in rome when I, no no not in rome sorry i keep saying rome in florence i wrote the website page and i wrote rome and then i realized it's florence in florence i remember like crossing the road it was our last day there i was going to pick up gluten-free pizza for our train ride etc whole vibe and what i realized is that for so many women they are wanting to embrace feminine leadership and not just in their career but in every area of their life and when you embrace that feminine leadership and this happened for me over the years it allows you to feel like you are winning in every area of Your life. Like I feel I'm winning in my relationship and I'm winning in my health and I'm winning in my you know friendships and I'm winning in my travel and I'm winning some of my like hobbies and I'm winning in my business. So for a lot of us women, so many of us are taught it's one or the other, it's career or this. We don't know how to balance the two. So if you're not already on the wait list for her, please make sure that you do so. I haven't run a completely live program since 2019. And this program is going to be completely live probably for the first time only. So make sure that you join. I'm not going to be doing it again this year. And I don't think the next round will be completely live. We don't know though. So the waitlist for her is below to make sure that you get on it and to make sure that you get a, um, a bird discount for being on the waitlist. Okay. Jumping back into it. So Miranda really makes it seem like you can't have it all, which is bullshit. We can have it all, but we have to rewire the stories that have been programmed to us as so many of us have grown up in these stories of you can't have it all. So generally speaking with all the characters, they have a very like push and pull relationship with men. They hate them yet they love them. They only talk about men and they hate that they only talk about men. Men, Like Samantha's character claims that she you know, uh, Samantha's character claims what she wants. She means she seems to be pretty self-aware from what we know, but at the same time, she's so petrified of getting hurt. So the casual sex is what she goes for. And she does end up settling down, not tolerating. Sorry. I'm talking about, um, I got, I got Samantha and, um, my God, uh, Charlotte confused for a second. So Samantha does end up kind of settling down with the guy in LA. What's his name? I can't remember and then which I love she doesn't tolerate when she's being put second. And what I want to say though about Samantha's character which I didn't love is that for a lot of us like we loved Samantha. We fucking loved Samantha. She had so much sex, she was so fucking independent, she was so glamorous, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So for a lot of us we idolized Samantha. Nothing wrong with Samantha's character in that sense. I love it. I I sometimes question though And this is like, this is one where it's like, there is no right or wrong with this by any means. It's just a curious point of, is it bad to be idolizing women that are having so much casual sex because it can be very detrimental to women, constant casual sex and to men isn't great for most people's mental health. And it's most, most of the time it's coming from a trauma response. But if there's a character that seems so cool, sexy, successful, glamorous, et cetera, that lives her life on casual sex and not ending up in a relationship, what is that telling women? It's telling a lot of women, okay, in order to not get hurt by men, to have a successful relationship, to be glamorous, to have lots of money, to be wealthy, blah, blah, blah. Don't get in relationships with men. Just have casual sex all the time because then I'll be like Samantha. So that's where it's like, hmm, maybe that's a problem. Just a curious point just like a like a talking point, something to think about for your own self-reflection. Charlotte seems to have it pretty down pat, in my opinion. She doesn't really emasculate. She's warm. She's happy to claim that she wants to get married. She's also aware of the fact that they only talk about men and that we're intelligent women. I know Miranda also says this too, Like she's an intelligent woman. She works at the art gallery. She's got a career, but she lets a man lead her. She's the first one that ends up getting married, if that's correct. Not that being married is the end-all be-all, but it was interesting, right? She was the first one getting married. She, generally speaking, had pretty healthy relationships with men. And as soon as it wasn't healthy, she'd break up with them. She'd be like, no, thank you. She didn't really tolerate unhealthy relationships with men. And what was interesting is that her not tolerating them wasn't that it was executed in this masculine, sharp, like aggressive kind of way. It was very much like a, no, thank you next. Whereas I found that when Carrie and mainly um, uh, Miranda, when they would have relationships that was like, no thanks, they would kind of make a big deal about it. And what I loved about Charlotte is that she never added too much energy to it, if a guy wasn't right, it was next. She'd have her meltdown. She'd have her hum- human moment. She'd cry about it, and I really think that the way that she was shown through the show, like when I look at it, and obviously there's moments where it was like, "Okay, this doesn't. Uh, this wouldn't be the case." I thought she was a pretty great depiction of a feminine woman. She let a man lead. She had a career. She wouldn't emasculate men. She was soft. She was warm. She was open. She was loving. She wouldn't do something sexually that she wouldn't want to do. You know, sometimes, okay, depending on how you see it, she could be a bit of a prude, but again, it depends the lens that you're wearing. Like, is that a bad thing? It depends where you're where you are in your life. It depends who you are. It depends whether you want to be having a lot of sex with guys casually or whether you don't. It really just depends on you as a person. That's up to interpretation. some people they'd be like Charlotte was a prude, but to other people, they would say Samantha was a slut. So and a slut in a bad way, because slut actually doesn't mean it's a bad way. So Samantha was like having too much casual sex, etc. You guys are what I'm trying to say. So I like Charlotte's character. Obviously, she wasn't as fun or dramatic as Samantha and Carrie, but in terms of a healthy depiction, I really thought Charlotte was a great example of a pretty healthy depiction of um of a feminine. A healthy feminine woman. Carrie, super um wounded feminine. Miranda was very masculine. And then Samantha was kind of too much in that lover archetype. And so a wounded feminine, but in a different way to Carrie, if that makes sense. So coming back to Carrie, just to kind of wrap up. So Carrie's love, it's always a trauma bond and the story is mainly centered around her. So we learn that love is always up and down and very dramatic. And this is why I made the embodiment of dating and be 11 on a mother because like the emasculation piece and everything is so important for relationships. And Queen Alchemy is really necessary. If you kind of relate to Carrie or you relate to Amanda or you relate to Samantha in the way that their trauma shows up, then I really urge you to join Queen Alchemy. Like we see in Miranda that a lot of her trauma shows up as, um, emasculation and that masculine armor. She's like quite disconnected from men. She's constantly berating them. She's, she's had a lot of anger and a lot of passive aggressiveness and sharpness that comes out of her. Carrie, the way that hurt the way that it comes out is that she constantly lets men fuck her over. She doesn't stand up for herself. She is she is, you know, uh like almost like Rapunzel. Like it's very, it's it's I want to be saved by a man, but then I'm also misindependent. Like it's it's a kind of a dichotomy, her character, which is really interesting. And then Samantha is so afraid of getting hurt. So she Is constantly having casual sex to make herself feel good and empowered, et cetera. Nothing wrong with that. But for some of us, we can relate to, yeah, I'm constantly getting validation off men to make myself look good or to make myself feel better about myself, sorry. And I am afraid of of investing in a relationship and opening my heart, but I also know that I want that deep down. So Queen Alchemy open up in February. The embodiment of dating number two is open for you guys right now. And I'm so excited for all of you that have joined. I'm so excited for our healing calls to heal our attachment styles. I'm so excited for the two Q&As. They're going to be so juicy. And then you also have that telegram group to share wins and quick questions and everything like that in there as well that I'll be jumping in and answering once a week for that period of time. So, I mean, all the details for all the different programs are on the website page. And do not forget that the Australia event... Is also available for you to get your last minute tickets now for the May event. This is the only event that I'm doing in Australia. It is not to be missed. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity and you will not regret it. Read the testimonials on the website page. That's what they're there for. Watch the eight minute testimonial video. Watch the promo videos. Like this, this event is different to every other event because it goes so deep. It is not just motivation. It's not just some journaling. It's not just some high vibes. It's those things. Yes. But the most important thing is that you walk out as a different woman, not because you've had a mindset shift, you've had that, you walk out as a different woman because you have cleared from your body so much of the the trauma and the blocks and the energetic wounds that have been holding you back. So make sure you do those things. Okay, jumping back to the podcast. So back to Carrie and Big. For Carrie, and this is, I really want you guys to listen to this because this is... Relatable for probably so many of you. The moments that were red flags and that the, and the moments that showed that the relationship was not right between her and Big, instead of those moments being like, okay, I'm going to leave because this isn't healthy. They became another obstacle, another fight that she could overcome in her way to prove to herself that she was lovable and that she wouldn't be abandoned. So, Carrie's other relationships, like with Aiden and other guys, they are written off because they lack this drama. Even in, like, I think it was season one, you know, that guy with, like, the spiky hair, um, that they, she kept having sex with and pretending that, like, she didn't care, like, she didn't care, but he would keep fucking her over. I can't remember what his name was. They all lack drama. It was this push, pull, up and down, like, we're in it, we're out of it, just like happiness, tears kind of thing. We see Aiden, who's essentially perfect. He puts, Carrie's for, puts Carrie first. He has balance in his life. He's down to earth. His heart is open. Great communication. When Carrie's having a dramatic moment, he grabs her, loves her, he leads her. But compared to the ups and down with Big, it's not enough for her. It makes her feel bored and not enough. So if you like, if I was able to do healing work with Carrie, she needs major nervous system recalibration. She needs to stop being addicted to the chaos. There was obviously some kind of chaos in her childhood that has made her very addicted to the chaos. There needs to be deep work around her beliefs with deservingness, self-worth, and what she then attaches that to. We need to clear some fucking energetic cords with Big and other men in her life that have given her these ups and downs. And we need to do work around Her validation issues because she is getting so much validation. She's getting so much of her sense of self and sense of love and worthiness from big. As soon as they're not, as soon as, you know, big does something mean to her or big gaslights her or whatever it is, she feels less than and she's like a shell of her character, right? She's like a shell of herself, Carrie. And what's interesting is that when she was with Aiden, it was healthy. It was calm. It was, Easy as she described. It was easy. She's sitting at the cafe with her girlfriend. She's like, it's so like easy and she's confused by it because to her brain and her body, easy isn't normal to her. Easy is outside of normal. And this is the case for a lot of us. For a lot of us, we make our lives harder for ourselves because that feels normal and an easy life doesn't feel normal. So we don't allow ease. We block our manifestations because that would be too easy. We don't allow money to come in easily. We don't allow love to come in easily. We don't allow ourselves to be loved easily. We don't allow growth to come easily to us. We don't allow opportunities to come easily because that would be Almost wrong because we've grown up where chaos is right and ease is wrong. Because things that aren't heavily exhibited to us when we're younger, we kind of automatically box them as like wrong or like abnormal. And things that are heavily shown to us, we box them as normal. So chaos for a lot of us is normal. Ease, calmness, peace, serenity is not normal. I want to finish up though, the pros, the pros of sex in the city. It opened the conversation of sex. It opened the conversation of successful women, sexuality, friendships in real life with which I loved. I really did. I would have loved if we were doing like a modern day sex in city, the characters that I would love to see would be a healthy version of Carrie. So like having that main character that, you know, it does not engage in unhealthy relationships and has a sexy, fun relationship. It's not boring. It's sexy and it's fun and it's easy and it's in flow and it's, safe and it's, you know, consistent. We need a relationship like that. We need a relationship where a woman is. So that relationship, like, again, like duplicated plus the woman is earning more than the man, but he's more in his masculine. And if you are in that relationship, like that would almost be like a healed version of Samantha with a man that isn't earning as much as Samantha, right? That would be amazing. Um, and, if you are in that kind of situation, so I'm kind of in that situation, make sure that you have the feminine female breadwinner if you do not already because you absolutely need that. And I will say also for anyone that is in that situation where maybe you've done the female feminine breadwinner, you are a successful woman, maybe you're earning more than your man and you really want to make sure that you're not going to into that masculine. I would recommend joining her because I'm not, that's like not the thing about her is that it's different from the feminine CEO, right? Because the feminine CEO was like business stuff. Her is, yes, I will be talking about career and work, but I'm not going to be basing it around you have to have your own business. It's not about that at all. It's about any woman that is leading in any area of, of her life. So you can have a little side hustle and be predominantly a mom. You would be a great fit for her still. It's about ensuring that in every area of your life, you are having feminine leadership. You're not in your masculine trying to lead. So we would need a character like that. I would love a character that was like super in her masculine, but then did the healing work and got into her feminine, healed her relationship with men. Like those kind of things are the things that we need to see. But what's important that I feel like so many TV shows and movies, they lack is the relationships that are healthy are seen as boring as fuck. There's like a lack of sex. It's boring. There's no adventure. It's not like a power couple sexy vibe. And that's what I try and bring to you guys because my fiance and I really embrace that where it's like, we have so much sex. We have the greatest sex. We're spontaneous. We travel. We're both working. We, you know, we work a lot. We both love to work and we are so ambitious and I make more money. But he's in his masculine, and it doesn't mean there aren't hard moments. There is, hence, I made the feminine female breadwinner. And I know that the more that we continue, the more that I will bring you guys other masterclasses about how we do these kind of things. But I want there to be a character. So I guess I'm trying to bring it to you guys via my podcast, Instagram, my emails, et cetera. I want to have a character or a new sex in the city where it's power couple vibes but it's fucking healthy. And it's sexy. There's not a lack of anything. Like the couple gets to have it all and does have it all. That is the vibe. So I will quickly end up saying, also finish off saying that this year I'm really trying to, um, be less on my Instagram stories and more on emails. So I'm going to be giving you guys more life updates and pictures and behind the scenes, et cetera, in the behind the scenes bubble and via email. So if you're not on my email list, I'm going to put the link below. Make sure that you're on my email list. Um, cause even if you sign up to like a wait list, yes, you will get emails, but if you, um, if you unsubscribe from that wait list because you've bought the program or you don't want those emails anymore, then you then you will often unsubscribe from the whole list. So it's really important that you also just join the main email list. So we're going to put the link for the HER wait list below and, and the link for embodiment day number two is below, et cetera, et cetera. The feminine Female breadwinner is below. And then we're also going to put the link to the general email list so that you can get like pictures from our you know ski trip to the Dolomites behind the, behind the scenes pictures of other trips like ski things life updates lessons from the week etc cetera, etc cetera, so that you don't miss out on those things because I'm also trying to do less on Instagram and more in emails and I am going to give you guys a business update um podcast episode soon, which will actually talk about why that is happening and kind of what we're transitioning in the business. And none of it's going to affect you guys negatively by any means. It's actually going to all be positive for you as well. So if you can just follow my little nudges, it will ensure that you get more from me and, um, And that way, like everybody wins. So make sure that you're on the email if you're not not already. Also, don't forget to leave a review on the podcast and us a screenshot, and then we'll send you the special meditation that is only available by leaving a review on the podcast. You cannot buy it anywhere on the website page, uh, on the website. And trust me when I say that you want this meditation, it's all about coming back to your own energy and ensuring that you're not leaking your energy elsewhere, which we could all use at every time of the year. And I will see you guys in the next episode. How a the day?